Of the 92 Best Picture winners, one must be crowned the bestest of the best. You're listening to The Quest for the Bestest from Backlog Banter. Your hosts are Timo Nelson, Tucker Hazel, Tanner Dykstra, and Abram Buner. You can find more of our content on YouTube and Twitter at Backlog Banter. Hey everybody, welcome back to Quest for the Bestest. I'm Timo. I'm joined by my usual compatriots as we discuss a new movie this week. We discuss a new movie every week, but we also discuss old movies because that's where most what most of them are. So we got Tanner, we got Abram, and we got Tucker. And yeah. this time around, we're talking about Out of Africa. Directed by Sidney Pollack, released ah. in 1985, yep. starring Meryl Streep and Robert Redford and, and Michael Kitchen. Michael Kitchen, of all people. Yep. So, name. That's the only reason we know him. We, yeah. I, he's got a good name. We've got some things to discuss, I'm sure. But we should do a little recap. Last week, last week we talked about Rain Man. And where did Rain Man end up? Well, sorry, Raymond. You're at the bottom. Oh, well. Oh, oh well. Oh, shucks. oh, shucks. But this week, we have an entirely new movie from the <gasps> decade as Rain Man. Yes. We, we got two Godfathers, and now we have two 80s movies. We'll see what we get at the end. Make sure to stick around. We'll be rolling for our next week's quest for the best uh, topic. But for today, we'll be talking about Out of Africa. So... Someone want to lead us off with their initial love, thoughts? I would love to lead us off because I, oh, yes. that the audience will note is that I am not where I usually am. Uh, I have been, for various factors, been mu- pushed out to my dorm's common room to record today, which means I can't talk as much, but it's very fortuitous that that happened this week because, frankly, Out of Africa is not a bad movie. In fact, on a technical level, I think it's a very good movie. Hmm. But for me, I would prefer a film that's a little bit less polished for in exchange for having some more energy. This film felt consistently low energy. (laughs) Talk about energy. Low energy. Mm -hmm. Pretty pretty funny for a coffee-based movie. Fair, good point. Not much (laughs) caffeine involved here. No. I think you can look at this film technically and it's pretty pretty impeccable. Mm -hmm. Absolutely. Would I sit down and watch this again? No. I don't think I could dedicate another two, (laughs) two hours and 40 minutes I paid attention because I had to, but if I didn't have to pay attention, I might not have. I watched with my parents, yeah. my dad, he's on his phone. Yeah. Yeah. No, uh, similar story is I, ca- my dad called me while we were watching the movie. So we talked to him about it. <laughs> he saw this film in theaters and he jokingly called it when he was a young strapping chap, he mm-hmm. called it out of seven and a half bucks. Cause that's how much it, <laughs> it took him to purchase the ticket for the film. Um, uh, to, shout out to Matthew Hazel. Matthew, yeah. <laughs> um, but yeah, no, I am a kind of person who likes to, I like to see the best in things. I like to see, see what I can take out of anything. And even if it's not exactly for me, I like to recognize what the strengths that it does have. And as we were watching this film, I kept consistently being engaged. I didn't notice sort of where the story was going and I wanted to see what was going to happen. But that has its, it has its uh, ups and downs. But I was consistently surprised and in praising the movie for how, on a technical level, the cinematography, the, the costume design, the production design, all of that is just absolutely top-tier fantastic. It's and, and probably, a beautiful movie. Yeah, I think that's probably why this one best picture, Tanner and I were talking about, is, is the Vista shots and the National Geographic <laughs> 
I think this movie has some of the widest shots in movie history. Like genuinely. It's, it's right up there with your Lawrence of Arabia in the desert, but green. It's green instead of yeah, all final. Oh, green. <laughs> so it's better. Never before has green been put in a movie more than out of Africa. This movie yeah. is very green. I think you're you're totally spot on. I think the cinematography, I think the costumes, I think the casting is pretty damn good. I really enjoyed I thought Meryl Streep had really good performance, especially doing an accent. Meryl Streep has her Meryl Streep accent, which shows up every time she plays a character. But I felt like it was a good blend of how she sounds with um, how like a Danish person speaking English sounds. Um, I actually found her her accent like kind of kind of choppy, like not very convincing at times and distracting it was, at others. It wasn't perfectly consistent. I'll no. Argue that. Um, I have a question for the group. Yeah, speaking of accents. See, speaking of accents, was Robert Redford supposed to be British? I think he's and supposed to be so, Danish. I, his, his name is Dennis, but it's spelled, it's like Dennis instead of spelled Dennis, and it's got a Y in it in the credits. It doesn't really matter. His name is Dennis George Finch Hatton. Yeah. Oh, that's pretty British. That's pretty, that's. But any, in any case, he was just doing an American accent, right? Doing he a Robert Redford a, he accent. did not attempt anything. <laughs> And also the fact that we looked it up, the real pace person that he was based on was British. Mm. And that's why we were mostly confused. I don't know. Str- strange tangent, but it's something yes. we thought about a lot while watching the movie. Well, it ties into his performance. Uh, I thought well, obviously, obviously Meryl Streep is like the main character. She gets mm-hmm. a lot of the but she gets a lot of the emotional beats, if you want to say that there were any. Uh, but Robert Redford, he was a very confusing character for me. Uh, Dennis Finch, George Hatton. Uh, that's enough. Close enough. Uh, he, what was his? What did he do? What was his job? What, what did he do? He's for an adventurer. Living? Yeah, he's, he's an, an adventurer. adventurer. Well, he's also, know what he really was. He's a colonialist. He was doing colonialism. Well, yes. In but, Africa. Uh, say tying into being a colonialist, I'd say that he was a psychopath, because there's a lot of things he says in this movie that just don't make sense, such as he sees a plane flying and says something to the effect of the plane that never. It's a plane that never lands. It lands. We see it landed. The movie. What did he mean by that? Uh, he plays Mozart for monkeys, and then gets surprised thing. when the monkeys are like, "What's this?" And, and they yeah, mess he's with like, "Ah, oh, get out of here!" <laughs> but it's well, so romantic. Robert is it romantic? Robert, so they're just fucking with. They're just fucking with monkeys. <laughs> What's interesting with his character is that he serves an opposite purpose to, for instance, what Apollonia served. She he really serves Robert Redford to propel Meryl Streep's character. He's yeah. really not that interesting on his own. And I don't even think he adds that much, frankly. Yeah. Outside of uh, being this weird, like, controlling presence that... Outside of the lion sequence, which, God fucking damn it, I wish it wasn't in slow-mo because there's, like, the one point of tension or action. Oh, it was the one, it was the one action. There's a fire. There's a, there's a raging fire one of the scene, in one of the Let's scenes. Look at and everyone's just kind of standing around, looking at it. <laughs> no yeah, one's no- surprised. No one's trying to put it out. No one is doing anything of substance or action. They're just standing around. What's also is interesting with the line sequence, though, to bring it back to Robert Redford, is that the only time we see him really come alive to any extent. A mm. lot of his action, he does, he takes a lot of his actions off screen, which I think is part of why his character is interesting as viewed through the lens of Meryl Streep. But I wish we actually saw more of him doing cool stuff because mm. he's made out to be a very cool guy. But it, it was a real instance of, well, you know, we're trying to relate to Meryl Streep, so they don't see him be cool. But as an audience member, that's not too engaging. Yeah. 
Oh, I think that's that's kind of the mo of this whole movie is not very engaging. This I this movie's kind of boring. Yes. Yeah. It's boring. Very. I I would add, I would say. And and here's the thing. I, I started off this discussion by me saying that uh, it was hard for me to tell where the story was going, and that was both pretty interesting because I kept on my toes and I didn't know what was coming next but I also think that that's to the movie's detriment not knowing where the story is going meant anything could happen and usually nothing happened or just something random happened or a time jump happened and and it was that lack of direction that the movie had in terms of of its flow and its pacing that was really what especially near the end just made me completely lose interest because I was like okay if anything can happen and none of these, these characters could not see each other for like up to two years like there's so many time jumps and and they don't interact very much and characters just dip and then come back. And like, I don't know, it, it made it hard for me to understand what was going on, where all the characters were and what exactly I was supposed to be connecting to other than Meryl Streep's character, uh, T- Tana. It's one letter away from, from Tanner, but or her name is also name. Karen. I don't know. Karen. Yeah. But, um, but I, I, aside from just connecting to her being a, a woman in colonialist uh, Kenya, um, which I think could have been a much cooler story if it was given a lot of uh, twists, because that core is, it could be interesting. But I don't think that this was the right way to present that kind of story. Well, it's also important to note that this film is largely a period piece, if anything. It reminded me a lot of, of early American literature I read last year for college. Oh, it's a lot about synthesizing location and the undercurrent, the social undercurrents, the political undercurrents. Clearly, this movie strikes at an audience, which is why it won Best Picture. But am I in the audience that really wants to sit down and through subtle actions and various things, understand the dynamic between these characters in the context of colonializing Kenya? Not really. You know, I, I think that a lot of our critiques are going to hit the fact that we're not the audience for this film. Yeah. We are obviously not. Yeah. Um, yeah. Well, touching on the touching on the whole colonialism and social and political aspects, and we don't have to talk about this ad nauseum, but uh, there were points in this where I just felt a little, it was made in 1985, which it, in context isn't that long ago, but socially and where movies have gone socially a long time ago. The African people weren't characters in this movie. They didn't have yeah. personality or any real push in the film. Uh, yeah, and there was there was points where they were used as props, and it just really felt it felt very gross. There was times there was a specific time when uh, Meryl Streep, the the boy that she has as the cook, she hires as the cook, she was just a dick to him for no reason, and then yeah. that never comes back. Yeah, I remember yeah. that. That part made me feel weird because I was like, it felt very out of place because she, she, she had been like, shown being like compassionate and like trying to make and she the was right thing. okay to him after that. Mm-hmm. But, but for, for whatever reason, in that specific scene, she was just very rude to him. I guess because her fancy friend was there. Mm, but that wasn't consistent with they had shown up other times. I mean, yeah. that, that's weird. And that scene in particular um, was something that I we had a conversation about is because when that happened, I sort of thought that the movie was going to take a turn. I thought it was going to turn into her using her the white white privilege, um, white savior sort of story going to her head and, and like saying like, oh, these are my people. I'm teaching them. I'm making them to be, you know, real people, even though they're just living their own culture. And I thought it was going to delve into that, but it kind of just touched on that for a second it, and then- but considering, you know, if we if we we can look at it both from the context of today's, you know, 
socio-political lens and from the lens of the 1985 and just to touch on it for then I think is important that it the film doesn't just like completely bulldoze over all of these subtleties and nuances about colonialism and about like the the, the chief is like he doesn't want his kids to read and the and the and the her advisor basically the um the Translator. African guy yeah. the translator yeah is like um well they already have stories they already they don't they're just they're not written like yeah, they the culture not- clash was something that this movie did focus on i wish i'd focus on it more because i found that to be pretty interesting it was yeah yeah and those moments where she was interacting with the uh kikuya and, and that whole side of the story i thought was pretty interesting mm-hmm. unfortunately that takes a back seat to uh, a bunch of of european people dicking around in, in africa yeah and, and figuring out their businesses and having like weird government problems and like tea parties and yes. not that's not <laughs> that's not of, my jam there's this a movie, war in this movie this movie's kind of a war movie this yeah. movie has does it world does war that one does the war this, matter this movie has world war one the character fighting a a deadly illness and a, and a lion attack, none of which are paid any attention to. And in are, the plot. Get, they don't matter yeah, that much. Just in get mulled over. We skip the one point where Meryl Streep could like have deep introspective moments where like, I could die. I have syphilis. I could die. We time jump that. Time jump completely. <laughs> yeah. Just montage over that with some, with some fun um, African vistas and animals yeah. roaming around. Abram looks like you want to say something. I mean, I just, I just don't necessarily, I just think that, that the, what the film is trying to accomplish inherently is not what I want out of a film. It, yeah. It's really that simple because the story is not about her getting syphilis. It's not about the lion attack. And the war is just contextual, really, yeah. for, for why her first husband is gone. And to add some interesting nuances to the character of Robert Redford, who, who pushes back against the conflict. All of these things are intentionally backgrounded um, to, to this more interpersonal story i think it's a story far more about gender roles and far more about meryl streep's character being subversive in in various ways taking agency back and i just don't know how compelling that still is and i think what we're going to find when we watch a lot of best pictures is that we're just going to attack them through a lens that is just incongruous what they with what they're trying to accomplish Mm -hmm. and we're going to find a lot of these films to just not hit so yep. I think it's important that we circle back to the fact that, that this is obviously deserving of Best Picture. I, I really, I felt watching, I absolutely understood the merit to this film, but contextualize mm. that against the fact that I'm not looking for the narrative they're telling. I'm not engaged by this moment that they're trying to show us. I I don't know. I, I don't know if I can say this is deserving of best picture. As we get to maybe a recurring segment of this show, uh, I'll list <laughs> off movies that probably should have won best picture over this if the Academy wasn't so focused on American and white people cinema. Because uh, there's a few there's a few good foreign films that came out this year. But yeah, I just is it deserving a best picture considering how dull this romance is 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 it a well-written romance i don't think it is no it because should, robert redford's character only becomes really that important in like the third, last third of the film it's but robert it's, redford's character is also being used by meryl street i think what's interesting about that di- the dynamic is it's atypical this yeah. isn't a typical romance dynamic it's also and, not like a you know you, you can talk about like the level of romance by like a fiery candle like this one is not a very it's not a super bright, like high intensity candle. It's low intensity, hmm. and yet it's okay. still there. And it's, I think it still matters. 
even like, if it isn't so like passionate, you know, outwardly. Like the mm. sequence when when uh, Robert Redford is planning his next plane adventure. Shout out to him just learning how to fly at some point. Which I don't <laughs> feel is a problem with the film. It's just a weird, as a weird left hand turn to take. But when he's planning, he's going to go with this other woman just as a friend, and Meryl Streep can't handle that. That's an interesting inversion of gender roles, and that's an interesting sequence in the film that I think underpins the way that she, in a lot of ways, is using him and was using her husband, and has always been using different characters. And through that lens, I think it's a much more nuanced and interesting story than we might be giving it credit for. Yeah, so two things. Um, first off, to, to reference your, your uh, perspective, perspective change on how this movie does accomplish what it was trying for we're just not the audience um i do think that this is important to consider i do however want to just put that out there as a baseline and not necessarily have to bring it up in a review because again that is true but this is our reviews and if if we're going to talk about our opinions on it i don't want it to have to be a caveat every single time i feel like that kind of takes a knock out of our own criticisms we are a different audience but we are the ones reviewing this movie so i think yeah. that that leaving it at that is is better um, but also referencing that scene where he talks about Felicity, the uh, sort of extra character that he was going to go off with. That's one of my biggest problems with this movie is how it balances its side characters. Really, Meryl Streep, Robert Redford, and her husband, Roar, are, are kind of the only ones that get a reasonable amount of screen time. Um, there's, a, there's a couple other ones. But other than that, as I said, characters just pop in and out. Par- characters come back after years of not seeing each other. And it's that way that it kind of just feels disconnected from everything that that made it hard for me to connect to any of the characters felicity shows up at the beginning okay she's going to be an important character no she comes back three times maybe for very short cameos and and it's that feeling of the characters not really having weight to them because they could be there they could not they could never show up again who knows like i don't know it was very frustrating to me and that's one one of my biggest problems with this movie and the way i connected to it I'd have to agree. I'd, Other I'd, topics? Yeah. Um, did we? Did we? I mean, we, we've shouted out. We've given a shout out to the to the cinematography. Obviously, a very uh, yeah, beautiful shots. Beautiful, uh, as Tucker pointed out, some great silhouette shots, especially like um, yeah. I remember one where Robert Redford's on you know the Serengeti and there's uh, elephants or giraffes, I believe, something that's also silhouetted against him. And a tree uh, that's silhouetted in the and sunset in the background. I'm like, oh, yeah. The what? Just the whole sequence of them flying in the plane. Good, good sequence. Very awesome. Very great shots. You know, very wide. Uh, I like those a lot. Um, I think the production design also, I assume they had to build uh, at least the, some of the villages and the um, farm sets. I think so this those, actually those was shot in Kenya. I think they oh, yeah. actually shot it there. Which I, I, I totally believe that. Yeah. I think that's a plus for the film. You know, you got to talk about exoticism in movies mm-hmm. and like how movies have, you know, well, this movie obviously is white people gallivanting around in a place where they're, it's not really their place. Yes. But despite that, it still has this little, the bit where it, it tries for being accurate in as much as it can, even when you're talking about history that is, conflicted and kind of kind of yikes yeah kind of yikes kind of yikes um i think i i just kind of i think i had something else just to just to just to rip on robert redford's character a bit more because he very he very (laughs) he perturbed me a lot in this movie yeah because he he's he's like this very like oh i'm so connected to the world i'm very i mean it's ethereal you know and he says um he says a line something along the lines of 
oh, we don't, this land doesn't belong to us. We're just passing through. And then cut to earlier in the film, he's like, here, help me load up this ivory. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's pretty inconsistent. I don't know. Well then, I think we've we've exhausted our 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 talking points, our thoughts yeah. about the movie, um, and so becomes the moment where we must decide. Oh yes, place it on the list. So should it should we start at the bottom, or should we start at the, at the, at the top? I think let's start at the bottom. I think okay. we should just save time. <laughs> <laughs> okay, raise your hand if you think it should go above. Number four, Rain Man. Oh shit! Okay, well, that well, is one. That is one Timo's vote for it going above Rain Man. Do you want to give yourself a little bit of a, a a soapbox to stand on? Sure. Yeah, I I actually think that this movie is less painful to watch than Rain Man, mm. and it feels more genuine. Even though it's kind of sl- it's slow and disconnected from the plot, and it's a little bit boring, I think it's it's better shot. It's more beautiful. It's more interesting. I'm much more interested in what happens in this movie than I am mm. in Rain Man. Mm. Just you know, these movies both deal with difficult topics, and they've and it's hard to make a movie about something as nuanced as mental, like as autism and as colonialism. But I feel like. I don't, it just doesn't, this movie just feels a little bit better to me than hmm. Rain Man did. It, it, they're very close, I think, but just okay. a couple couple technical bits. This movie is is far more beautiful. It's a period piece that's more difficult to do as a film. And the story is, I think it is layered. I think it is, I think it's deeper than we maybe have given it credit for. Just it's, especially from my male perspective, this movie is not told through the, like male eyes. It's told yeah. through a woman. And so- I, as a viewer, have to work extra hard to really get to that level of understanding of what the story and the plot is about. And maybe I haven't quite put put in that much effort so far into like really delving in and fully getting what it is. Now, I don't know if I want to rewatch it, but yeah, if I, if yeah, uh, the, lead, the what I can say is that I would absolutely much rather rewatch Rain Man again than rewatch this. Uh, while I said, while uh, my comments from last week about Rain Man still st- still stand to my, my thoughts on that movie, I think the story beats are very repetitive. At least they're interesting story beats uh, in Rain Man as opposed to this film. Yeah, I think, and I am going to put this out there just as is why I didn't connect to this movie. Why I still respect it. Um, I, it's it's a well known fact that I'm not a long movie fan, hmm. um, especially not long movies where it's it's more empty. Not not a 2001 fan, not a Lawrence Arabia fan. Um, and this one was kind he just, of one. He just, he just goes and calls out my two favorite movies. I know, I know. We've had this conversation many, many a time. Well, but, um, you watch. I'm going to channel my energy and we're going to watch Lawrence of Arabia next week. Oh, oh God. Oh, oh, God. Happens, <laughs> you, better be, have that, not, you better have that clip of the spinner going. In. Yeah, That's yeah, not yeah. I don't know what number it is, okay? I know, yeah. I know. Um, but I think that about does it. Abram, you got anything else to say? Yeah, I do. I think Timo hit the nail on the head. I think this film has a lot more, it's operating on a lot more levels than we, we give it credit for. But to your point, Tucker, it's, we're examining this film through our lens. And while I think it is more important personally to contextualize wh- what we bring into the film and how that is different from what the film is trying to achieve, 
I don't think that we can undercut what it does and what it tries to do. Even though for me personally, I found it to be a bit of a drag. It doesn't change any of the things that Timo said, but I would absolutely watch Rain Man over this. I'd like to yeah. shout out Abram Buner, who sent a Snapchat of the <laughs> film that said Out of Patience. Nice. <laughs> or like Out of Patience. So that was pretty funny. Okay. Um, but I think we're, I think we're, I think it's that oh, time. Oh, well, hang on, hang on. Oh, I want to do, do my quick. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Uh, just, just a few films that didn't get nominated. Or five is my favorite film years ever. Yeah. Uh, just Three of my films. top twenty-five favorite films of all time came out in this year. Okay, here we go. So a few films that didn't even get nominated for Best Picture. Um, well, obviously not Best Picture bait, but Back to the Future. Uh, we also have films uh, like Brazil, uh, uh, one of favorite favorites. A film that I absolutely think should have gotten some award, at least some Best Picture, or something. Uh, Come and See. It's a Russian. Oh film. yeah. Oh, yeah. Great, great movie. That great movie. Uh, we also have Akira Kurosawa's Ran. Oh, Ron. That one's Ron. Ron excuse great. me. It's it looks like Ran. I'm sorry. Um, the title's not in English. I'm sorry. <laughs> <laughs> uh, what else do we got? Oh, and of course, how could we forget Pee Wee's Big Adventure? Pee Wee and Purple Rose of Cairo. That's and the Purple third Rose one. of Cairo. I yeah. love that movie. Okay. Well. No. Yeah. I mean, very good year for films. This would not have even been on anywhere near my short list of of top films of that year but i mean hey the academy clearly disagreed it's that time though it's that time <gasps> this is okay. genuinely my, my favorite moment of the week because the it best, combines my list my list seconds of your week are about to happen okay i've got it pulled up are you ready i'm going to I, click oh, oh you know i am baby the spin wheel oh out of 87, out of 87 movies out of 87 movies oh it's week, going and we landed on the number 44. Oh, 44. okay. All right. I'm not oh. sure. I don't know if that's a newer or an older one. I don't know how the list is. No, this is ordered. sort of in the middle because there are 87. So that's oh, yeah. pretty much that's exactly true. in the middle. Uh, another 70s movie. Yeah. Oh. Older is, is for us. Yes. Very. Well, very, I meant, when I said older, I meant like 20s or 30s. Um, I know what film it is. Uh, well, it is 1971, us? directed by William Friedkin, director of oh. The Exorcist, oh. uh, starring Gene Hackman. The French Connection. The oh. French Connection. I think good. I've seen this one already. This is a good movie. <laughs> this is a good movie. I've never. Heard I'm of very it excited. I'm excited. This is another crime movie. I think. <gasps> Fantastic. Uh-oh. Can we shout out quickly the French Dispatch? Uh, yes, that movie that has not been released yet. God, I can't <laughs> wait to see that. French Dispatch. <laughs> okay, well, I think we're I think we're about done here. Well, honestly, we forgot- this is a much better conversation oh, than I thought it was. What did we forget? Oh, we forgot, we to, forgot to look at our graph. Oh, oh the yeah. Graphic. Okay, are this you ready? Looks great. Oh, <gasps> wow! Look at the glitch. It's a. We have five on there now. We have five. Top five. Top five best movies Ooh. of all time. It's true. Look at <laughs> read them and weep. But where's Blade Runner? I don't think that's accurate. Mm. Well, what year was Blade Runner? What? What? 1982. What, 90, what, I don't think it was nominated for Best Picture. Yeah, no, I was gonna say <laughs> what won Best Picture over Blade Runner. We'll find out when we get to that year eventually in the next yep. two years. And well, I won't shut up about it when we get there. Yeah, uh, me neither. <laughs> so nice. next week we'll be back for another another episode of the quest for the bestest we're going to be looking at the french connection by william friedkin from what 71 yep 1971
I'm excited. I, I this is I think we we're, we're going to get up there. We're going to we're going to put some some old movies down the list a couple notches. Oh, hopefully. Oh wow. Okay. All I right. actually just really want to watch this. So luckily, yeah. I think we're going to. Has anyone seen time. it here? I think no. I have. I think I've seen one. I've seen it once. A long okay. time. Well, for, years. Like some, years that's like point three three of us have watched it. <laughs> mm. I'm a Friedkin stan. I like some Friedkin. Okay. Well, thank you for joining us, guys. Yes. Thank you for sticking around. We'll be back next week.